Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, a D.C. journalist on the pulse of national security. So what are, we, what are we hearing from the military leaders? Are the big issues the same things that have been the big issues? Cybersecurity, robotics, fighting, let's just say. Use, use that term. Many observe that the national security industry drives a significant portion of the greater Washington region's economy. What's the true condition of what's really going on in the industry? We have an insider's perspective. Marcus Weisgerber is global business editor at Defense One. He spends his day trying to unpack what's actually going on in this most important industry. Marcus, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of rhetoric. I would say a lot of arm-waving about the floodgates are open, defense spending is going to be coming out of the, like crazy. What's actually happening on the ground right well, now? Well, we, ha- we haven't seen that quite yet. It seems to be the thing that all the CEOs of all the major companies keep talking about since Trump's election back in November. Um, now we're, we're three months or so into the administration. The companies just this week, the big defense firms, the Lockheeds and Boeings and Raytheons of the world, all are reporting their earnings this week. And, you know, surprised that they're they're kind of along the lines of what they've been. You know, some, some gains, some have some gains, some have some losses. But overall, it's a lot of the same. We're hearing the exact same stuff that we heard all throughout the Obama administration. We're hearing about the Budget Control Act and budget caps. We're hearing about potential for sequestration happening, and we're hearing about stuff like shutdowns again. So really, the conversation hasn't really changed all that much. So as you go off and you talk with people in the industry, are they, are they scratching their heads and saying, geez, I thought this was going to be a great time for me, or are they just sort of shrugging their shoulders and saying, eh, you know, it doesn't matter who the White House is, we've got our work, we've got our clients, and we just, we just stick out, stick with it? Well, right now, yeah, the stick with it, stick with it is the theme. But there, there still is this expectation for growth that, that there, there will be some growth because, because remember, we've we've had th- even throughout the the budget caps that have existed for the federal government, there have been deals o- over the over the years to actually raise them mo- modest modestly. There is still optimism that these caps are going to get lifted and that that more money will flow into defense. But you're not hearing right now what you were hearing kind of when Trump was elected, that you, you were going to have kind of a, the spigot open, open wide and just money free flowing, free flowing in again. That the, the, the growth is just it, it'll be there, but it'll be a lot more modest. And that's going to have implications for people who are hiring up or getting ready for demand. You know, another thing that we've seen in the first couple of months of this administration, and we've talked about this in other other programs or other shows in our series, the whole Twitter phenomenon, you know, the, mm-hmm. the president tweeting out about things. And certainly one of his subject matters has been saving money in national security. You know, it's Air Force One, the F-35. Has that had any effect on behavior in the government contractor uh, so, business community? You know, I, I get asked this question all the time. I'm sorry to ask it again. No, it's, it's a great question. I've fallen in a rut. Because, because it's so tough. A lot of people will, 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 will point to that F-35, that they have 35 contract and say, hey, Trump's claiming that he saved all, all this money, but... But did did he really? The price of it was going down anyway. Well, here's here there there has been a Trump impact to, to this. The Pentagon kind of they forced Lockheed to accept the contract. They said, "Hey, we're going to give you a contract for F-35s. Take it or leave it." And Lockheed maintained for months that they might they might sue the government. And then it, as recently as um, I want to say uh, January January ish, right around the time when they were reporting their year, their year earnings. Their, their CFO st- left the door open for them to to take legal action. And then they had spokesmen who were releasing statements saying, yeah, well, we can protest this essentially until 
until the um, contract is done, which is years from now. So kind of it's in limbo. Well, guess what? Marilyn Houston, the CEO, was on the earnings call uh, just recently in, in, in recent days, and she said, we're not going to touch it. So we're gonna let it, we're gonna let it be. So you know what? She's on Trump's ma manufacturing board. She's had a lot of interaction with Trump. She might have been started in the doghouse, as did Boeing with Dennis Mullenberg, their CEO, when, when they, Boeing got he was victim of his his tweets. And guess what? He's regularly talking to, to Trump now. And p people at Boeing tell me that they do routinely talk on, on the phone, and they have met in person numerous times. And Trump's first visit to a manufacturing facility was indeed. Boeing in South Carolina. It is a, a different type of presidency, to be sure. And it's, it clearly is having an effect on behavior in many industries, uh, including national security. Let's turn our attention now to the smaller business, the entrepreneurs. The Obama administration, I think it's fair to say, had a they had a real love affair with Silicon Valley in particular and the innovation model in Silicon Valley, maybe to the detriment of uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs here in the D.C. region. What's your early indications as to whether the Trump administration is going to have a similar viewpoint with respect to where they're going to find non-traditional innovation, people that uh, uh, aren't currently working in the government security industry? Well, I'm looking at Secretary Mattis. Uh, he he w was in Silicon Valley himself. Uh, so far, we keep hearing a lot of the same themes, the, 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 the agileness of small business in Silicon Valley, the, the Pentagon likes that. You're hearing a lot about their their Silicon Valley office, this DIUX office that the Pentagon uh, set up out in, uh, right next to Moffitt Field out in uh, San Jose. So th they're still talking the talk about Silicon Valley and even we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing DIUX awarding contracts still. The Trump administration uh, still does not have while Mattis is there, there are still a lot of positions in the Pentagon that aren't filled and people who will influence this. So it's going to take probably a few months, if not a year or so, to actually figure out, okay, is this whole push to Silicon Valley going to continue? They're certainly not going to keep calling it the, the, you know, the third offset, which we hear about a lot, which is uh, Deputy Defense Secretary uh, Bob Work's uh, plan, if you will, for coming up with the technologies and weapons of the future that will... Uh, give the U.S. advantage over p countries like Russia and China. So it seems fair to say then what you're seeing on the ground is that the the names may change, but the opportunities remain. So far, that seems to be what it is. As you look out into the next six to 12 months, if you were to advise a business leader or an entrepreneur here in town, what would be your best advice for how they should be looking to read the tea leaves? What would be good uh, indications of the the the, the trends. What should they be looking for? So you've got to listen to what number one is always to listen to what the military leaders want. Because the, the, that has nothing to do with the politics and, and, and who's in office. So what are, we, what are we hearing from the military leaders? Are the big issues the same things that have been the big issues? Cybersecurity, robotics, fighting, let's just say, use, use that term. Uh, being able to fight in the environments that are highly... Uh, filled with surface-to-air missiles and lots and lots and lots of threats, being able to jam stuff. Uh, so electronic warfare has been something. So you know, so far, despite new, new administration, uh, all those uh, priorities are all still very, much, still very much there for the soldiers and sailors, airmen, and Marines who are out there. So you cover this beat. It's big. It's in some ways predictable. What's the well, what's the thing that happened that you saw in the last month that just you scratched your head and thought, "Wow, I never thought I was going to see that." It's it's a little bit in the weeds, but uh, some of the um, some of the companies 
that are as they're reporting earnings in in, in recent weeks they, they have taken some charges if you will so basically they've they've busted budgets on uh, projects lockheed had one with a contract there a missile defense contract they're working for the middle east um it, it, it kind of was a big head scratcher because no one seemed to know this program even existed until it was brought up on on an earnings earnings call you google you google it and there is a, a website or two that might come up or reference this but the it took us a while to actually figure out what the acronym they referenced on the earnings call actually actually meant and we found a story from um, one of the local newspapers in uh, abu dhabi that that wrote about it um so that was kind of a surprise that you know, Boeing still not out of the woods on this air refueling tanker they're they're building for the Air Force. Um, you know, they 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 reference some other some some more um, budgetary issues with it, less technical issues which have been in the past. And they you know maintain again that that's all behind them, but they maintain that that's all behind them. Seemingly on every every time somebody comes out to speak and address the prior problem they had. Well, you can keep saying something's behind, and sooner or later it will be if we live long enough. <laughs> Marcus Weisgerber, it's great to have your expertise, and thanks for providing us with inside perspective of what's going on in this important local industry. Thanks for having me. So that's it for another podcast of What's Working in Washington. Tracy Madigan and I really enjoy finding these people that you're getting to meet through our podcast. It's just amazing how many people get up every day in the nation's capital and just make things happen. We're really happy to have an opportunity to tell these stories, and we're always looking for new ones. So don't forget to reach out to us at, at What's Working DC if you'd like to come on the show or you know somebody that we should have on our show. And please don't forget to tell your friends the way that you grow a podcast like this and the way you grow the audience is virally. You can't sell advertising. you got to grow your audience by having people like you like the show. So rate us on iTunes and tell your friends about how great this is as a region to be part of and why what's working in Washington is important to you. But thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Goodbye.